Welcome to Maranatha Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Fenoyo. We have taken a short break from our Bible series in Genesis for this 14-part series on New Testament given. We will return back to our Bible series in Genesis after this current series. Thank you. In our last two episodes, we have been looking at some generic argument often brought to prove that the principle of tithing is absent in the New Testament. Maybe you have already noticed that I've often been calling it the principle of tithing rather than saying tithing. That is because, as we mentioned in the last episode, tools and mode of worship under the Old Testament that continues into the New Testament will inevitably be modified to some degree because they are now being done under a new dispensation. And that is the basic reason why I talk more of principle of titan rather than just using the word titan. This mini-series on New Testament given is a plea. It's a plea for us believers to see it as our duty and obligation. Yes, you heard me right. That it is our duty, it is my duty, it is your duty, it is my obligation, it is your obligation to finance the operation of the kingdom of God on earth. This is my plea for us to see it as our duty and our obligation. And I need to stress that because oftentimes when you mention the word duty and obligation, everybody say, but we are under grace. The truth is that grace is not antithesis to obligation or duty. Grace does not remove the need for duty. Grace does not remove the need for obligation. It's just like somebody said, I love you. You love me. Why do we need to go and, you know, get married? Why do we need a paper? Grace does not remove the need for duty and obligation. And I will be supporting this statement from New Testament scripture as we continue. So what I'm saying is that this series is a plea to me. It's a plea to us as believers to see it as our duty and our obligation to finance the operation of God's kingdom on earth. And this series of teaching is a call. It's a call. It's a plea. And it's a call for us to revive again our commitment to worship God consistently and generously with our money. It is a call. It is a call for us to revive again. I'm repeating that. It's a call to you. It's a call to me for us to revive again our commitment to worship God consistently and generously with our money. That is the reason for this series of teaching. Obviously, it has then become inevitable for me. It has then become necessary for us to talk about tithe. Not because of the sake of tithe, but because tithe, as we have been seeing, is an important tool that God has used to finance his kingdom down history. That is why it has become necessary for us to talk about tithe. And I want to establish this very, very clearly, that biblical tithe is actually an illustration, is a picture of consistency and generosity. You remember the call, the call to revive again our commitment to worship God consistently and generously with our money. And one picture in the Bible of consistent generosity towards the kingdom of God with our money in the Bible is the very principle of tithe. I honestly believe 
that the earlier well-intentioned anti-tithe teaching has been hijacked by a group of popular ministers. I actually believe, I remember, I can understand where this reaction came from. I can understand where this pushback came from, where this pushback came from. I can understand, but I can see here that the well-intentioned anti-tithe teaching of earlier teaching has been hijacked by a group of ministers a group of celebrities, and it has now become the very thing that it set out to correct in the first place. And a whole lot of this teaching has become legalistic and have become intimidating. Oftentimes, this is the way people have come to understand this teaching, this anti-tithe teaching. You must not pay tithe to any church. The only reason any pastor will ask you for tithe today is because they are charlatans and they are greedy. You are not under any obligation to, co- to be committed to giving a proportion of your hard-earned money to any church. Just give what you want and when you want to give it. It is your money. You are in charge. You decide if you want to give. You decide what you want to give. You decide when you want to give. You decide where you want to give and how you want to give. Yeah, I know I know. many of them will not come out and say it this way, but at the end of the day, when you put it all together, this is the way people have interpreted it. Any honest person will totally agree that they are charlatans. There's no doubt about that. But the truth is this. Any truth drawn to an extreme will itself inevitably become an error. And remember what we have said? You, we, we, we must never throw out the baby with the bad water. So here is my plea again. Here is my plea. If you are a tighter, if you are committed to giving a proportion of your income to the work of God on a consistent basis, if the Lord has already granted you the grace to do that, keep on doing this. That is okay. That is scriptural. That is the godly thing to do. And don't allow anybody else to confuse you Don't allow anybody else to intimidate you. Don't allow anybody else to rough shadow over you. If you're already doing it, if you're already committing a proportion of your income to support the kingdom of God because you love God, because you, you are a worshiper, because you are a disciple, because you love God and you appreciate him, if you're already doing that, please, please, please keep on doing this particularly if you are in a ministry that is doing the work of the kingdom, particularly if you are in a ministry that you believe in, that is a light unto the world and a salt in the earth, that ministry needs that financial support. That if you are not committing a proportion of your income to the work of God, if you are one of those people that have been confused, that have been deceived, or if you just didn't know that there is a need to do this, if you are not, and if you have not been committing a proportion of your income to the work of God on a consistent basis, maybe you give here and there what we call free will offering. Maybe you do that, but you've not been consistently committed to a ministry with respect to committing a proportion of your income to the work of God. I will plead with you. And I will encourage you to consider doing so. And you know the basis on which I am doing this? I'm doing this on the basis of the word of God. I'm not even doing this on the basis that you are going to get something back. You will, but that's not the basis by which I am 
pleading with you. The basis by which I'm pleading with you is seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these other things shall be added unto you. That this is one of the way that we worship God. I'm pleading with you because of the kingdom of God, because of our love for God and for his work. And because the kingdom of God has to advance, it does take more than finances, but it doesn't take less than finances. Praise the Lord. Now, having gotten that out of the way, what I'm going to do next is to take a quick look at the history of tithe. I want to take a look at the history of tithe. I want to go right even before Abraham. I want to go even before Abraham, even before the biblical record that we have from, from Abraham. I want to go beyond Abraham and I want to trace very, very quickly. I mean, we're not doing any in-depth study here. I want to trace very, very quickly the history of tithe before Abraham, through Abraham to Moses, all the way down throughout the Old Testament, New Testament, all the way down to our days. That is what we want to do next. So Leviticus chapter 27, verses 30 to 33. One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the field or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. Now, I want us to see the focus there because I want you to trace this focus throughout what we are going to be doing. The Bible says that must be set apart to him as holy. These you are not given to a man. Now, even though there are men that receive it, even though there is a church that receive it, even though there is a ministry that receive it, but really it's a gift that is being given unto the Lord. One third of the produce of the land, whether grain from the field or fruit from the trees, belong to the Lord, belong to the Lord, and will be set apart, set apart, set apart to him as holy. Verse 31. If you want to buy back the lost tenth of the grain of fruit, you must pay its value plus 20%. Count off every ten animals from your herds and flocks and set them apart for the Lord as holy. Verse 33. You may not pick and choose between the good and the bad animal. You may not substitute one for another. But if you do exchange one animal for another, then both the original animal and a substitute will be considered holy and cannot be bought back. Praise the Lord. Obviously, I've read where I've read is under the law. So this was one of the many scriptural references under Mosaic law that gave us the principle of tithing under the Old Testament, under Mosaic law. And that is what I have read here. And as I mentioned in episode four of this series, tithing predated the Mosaic law. Scholar tells us that tithe was almost universally practiced in the ancient world, okay? And there are evidences, there are uh, documents that have been seen that actually shows us that many civilizations were acquainted with the principle and actually practiced tithing. Many of these world were pagan world, but that is what we have seen in ancient record. For example, we are told that it was practiced by the Babylonians, the Canaanites, the Phoenicians, the Arab, the Syrians, the Carthaginians, the Lydians, the Greek, and later the Romans. Obviously, some of those flow into Bible times, isn't it? But that is what I want us to see here, that there are evidences to show that there are scholarly evidences to show that many civilizations, even predating the record that we have in the scripture, even extra biblical evidences show that many civilizations practice tithing. And also that the money 
remember I'm talking about extra biblical uh, civilization now, that the money was used to maintain holy shrines and to support the priest and oftentimes also to support the king. And that is what they use those money for. Now, why a tithe or ten should have been so generally chosen and accepted as the number of selection in the cases of tribute offering both sacred and secular voluntary and compulsory is not clear. Why? Why 10? Why not 5%? Why not 15%? But all the record shows, all the evidence shows that it was a tithe. It was a tithe. And nobody actually knows why. That has made some people to, uh, to think that maybe this was something God put in their heart to do. That is possible, but we cannot confirm that by scripture. But the fact is, number one, that this practice has been ancient. Number two, it has been universal. Number three, for whatever reason, all these culture and civilization has decided that it will be 10%. Tithes were connected on one hand religiously with offerings of first fruit and on the other hand politically with tribute and taxation. So we can see that in both sides, okay, religious and political. Although taxation often took the form of a tent, sometimes the amount varies. It can be less or it can be more. But interestingly enough, even when it is less than 10% or more than 10%, oftentimes the name tithe was retained from alias of culture. Tithing has been practiced and tithe has been both an act of worship and a primitive form of taxation. An act of worship and a primitive form of taxation. So tithe was as much political as it is religious, as much religious <laughs> as it is political. So now let's go to tithe in the Bible. Okay, so we have looked at tithe from ancient times. So let's go to tithe in the Bible. But now we want to look at tithe in the Bible before Mosaic law. So we want to look at tithe in the Bible in the pre-Mosaic period. Okay, before we finish tonight, I want us to look at that. Titan in the pre-Mosaic period. The first time that Titan is mentioned in the scripture is actually in Genesis chapter 14. You remember the story of Abraham and Melchizedek. Let me give us the background. The background is that Sodom and Gomorrah, you remember Lot has taken off, living very close to Sodom and Gomorrah. The next time we find it was in Sodom and Gomorrah. But so the situation here is that the king of Sodom and Gomorrah decided to rebel against Shedo Laoma, the king of Elam. And then the king of Elam came and attacked the city. Not just the city, it attacked various cities and various nations and various countries around that area. He attacked them and he took all the goods and all the people, including Sodom and Gomorrah. And one of the people that was taken as captive was Abraham's nephew, Lord and his family, and somebody escaped and went to tell Abraham about this. The news got to Abraham. Abraham prepared his own army, went in pursuit of the king of Elam, captured them, overcome them, and he delivered lots and other people and also recovered the goods. That is the background. So now let's read. Let's read from there as we read now from verse 18. So, Remember where we are now. Abraham has conquered. He has recovered the people. He has recovered the goods from the hand of this king. From verse 18, 
Genesis chapter 4 from verse 18. And Melchizedek, notice that, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed Abraham, Abraham and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High, which has delivered thine enemy into thy hand. And Abraham gave him tithes of all. So we have a situation here. We have, we have Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek is the king of Salem. But the reason why Abraham gave him tithe is because he was the priest of the Most High. Remember what we say. See the focus in which direction the giving of tithe flow. So Abraham gave Melchizedek. The Bible says he gave him the tithe of all. And Abraham gave him that tithe because he was the priest of the Most High. Question, how did Abraham know to give 10%? How did Abraham know to give 10% and not some other amount? How did Abraham even know to give anything in the first place? It's not as if he was under any obligation to do it. How did he know to give something in the first place? And how did Abraham know to give 10%? We are not told. But as we have seen, the payment of 10%, particularly to the priest, particularly for religious purpose, was a universal practice in the ancient known world. So Abraham gave 10% of the spoil. He knew that the tent was fitting proportion to dedicate to God. He knew that the tent was the fitting proportion of this spoil to dedicate to God. And the tithe is given to the priest, to the priest of God, obviously, as a supply for the need and the work of God's temple. Now, I want, us, I want you to imagine with me how much 10% of all the spoil will have been. When you read that portion, <laughs> read that portion again, that portion that we have read in Genesis chapter 14, you will see that Shedolaoma. <laughs> the king of Elam, you will see that he attacked many countries, many cities. And a lot of those people, they carry a lot of goods from the nation that they overcome. Now, please think with me how much 10% of that spoil we have been. But Abraham gave the 10% to Melchizedek, the priest of God. Abraham gave the 10%, he gave it Voluntarily. Remember that this event was about 430 years before the law of Moses. Now, obviously, we are not told if or if not Abraham gave tithe before or after this incident, but we, it is very, very important for us to realize that Abraham did this. Now, the second and only other Old Testament mention of tithe prior to the giving on Mosaic law is in Genesis chapter 28, verses 18 to 22. What was there? It was the story of Jacob. Again, some background. Jacob was on the run. He was running away from Esau. <laughs> Jacob had stolen Esau's birthright, with the, obviously with the help of their mom. And he was now running to Padan Aran. He was running to his maternal granddad. So one night, he slept. He had a dream. You remember that dream? The ladder that was set on earth, top reaching the heaven. Angels of God ascending and descending. Then God was on top. God spoke to him and God reaffirmed to him the covenant he God made with Abraham. Now we're going to pick the story up now from verse 18 in Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28 from verse 18. And Jacob rose up early in the morning after he's had all this dream and experience. And Jacob rose up early in the morning 
and took the stone that he had put for his pillow and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it and called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of the city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob bowed. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and remain to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God, and this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tent unto thee. Praise the Lord. I mean, obviously, we can sit down and analyze Jacob's intention here and things like that. But that's not the purpose here. The purpose here is that Jacob promised God 10%. And the question again is, how did Jacob know to promise 10% and not some other amount? And hopefully, Jacob fulfilled his purpose, his pledge. Jacob promised tight. And that must have been derived from the practice around him. Again, this event was many, many years before the law of Moses. We are not told if or if not Jacob gave tithe after this event. Now, the point is this. The point is that tithe was not original with Mosaic law. Tithe is a trans-dispensational practice. Yes, it will be modified by his host environment. Yes, it will be modified under the dispensation that is being practiced, whether it's political or religious, whether it's pagan or being done by, you know, the people of God. Yes, it will be modified. But what I want us to see here is that it is a transdispensational practice. Now, we're going to stop here today. And next time, by the grace of God, we'll look at tithe now under mosaic law but remember my plea at the beginning of today and this is the goal my plea remember that if you're already tightening if you're already committing a proportion of your income consistently to the work of god on a consistent basis please keep doing it that is the right thing to do don't let anybody intimidate you don't let anybody confuse you and if you are not already doing that if you and I are not already committing proportion of our income to the work of God's kingdom on a consistent basis, it is not too late for us to consider doing it. <clears throat> not necessarily because of what we are going to get out of it, but yes, God will bless us if we do it. But because we are doing this for the kingdom of God, but because of our love for God, but because of what God has done for us, but because the kingdom of God needs that supply to be able to do the will of God, that if I truly love God, if I truly want the will of God to be done on earth today, then I should commit my finance, a proportion of my finance on a consistent basis. I should commit that to the work of God on earth. So we're going to stop there today by the grace of God. And next time, by the grace of God, we are going to move on and look at the are tied under the Mosaic law. And if you are listening to me today, I want you to know that God loves you and he gave his son for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And you can be saved tonight. There is no other name given among men whereby we might be saved. Come to him. Admit that you are a sinner. Accept him as your Lord and Savior. Ask him to take over your life. He will come in. He will save you. He will be your God, your father, your friend. He will work with you. When this is all over, because it will be over, then you can spend eternity with him in the new heaven and the new heart. Do it right now. 
We sincerely invite you to check out our teachings on YouTube Maranatha Teaching Channel. They will bless you. Thank you.